Welcome to Hiraith, a home for the left in Wales. You join us here uh, just straight after we talk to Carrie Harper and Mark Hooper about Plaid Cymru's fortunes for next year's Senate elections. I'm joined once again by Richard Martin and Kerry Davis. Guys, what did you make of the uh, of the interview? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. You know, those of us who know Mark Hooper, we know, but we're always going to get an interesting interview. For me, it was the first time I've really come across Carrie, and I thought she was uh, really set the stage for Plaid next year, particularly in Wrexham, which is going to be one of the Plaid hard areas, really, to rebuild from, especially where Wrexham is in the current political climate. But I thought the discussions we had about radicalism, the leadership, where Plaid are going, uh, what's needed, and not just from a Plaid perspective. You know, I think Mark very much goes down that non-partisan route, which goes across a political spectrum. And I think uh, a lot of people can resonate with that. Yeah, I'd be tempted to agree. I think the way that both Carrie and Mark talk about the potential for Ply Cymru, I think is it's always a slightly seductive thing to talk about Ply Cymru as being the alternative. And there's never been any doubt that over the history, certainly over the history of devolution, a lot of the good ideas that have improved government in Wales have come from Ply Cymru. The challenge is always getting the actual uh, electoral machine ready getting the right messaging, the right ideas out, and mixing that with a machine that will actually get people to vote for Plaid in big enough numbers in order to put them into government. And you mentioned this uh, last time we spoke, Matt, that the Labour Party machine in Wales is astoundingly successful about getting people out to vote and getting people to put their name or their cross next to the Labour Party. And it almost doesn't matter what the Labour Party is doing at that particular time. The, the machine is there to get the vote out. And this is the challenge for Ply Cymru. There's no shortage of good ideas and no shortage of talents among the, certainly among the Senate candidates. I mean, I think if you just looked at it on a raw talent basis, the Plaid group in the Senate has some of the most talented politicians in Wales. But it's that kind of in the community, on the ground, getting the vote out challenge to get the Plaid message out there that makes all the difference. I think ultimately the, the, the challenge for Plaid Cymru is that, yes, they've got great talent, many good ideas there, but can they actually get the voters out? And if you know the Conservative Party do, we, we say this every uh, Assembly or Senate election as it is now, if the Conservative Party really mobilised their money and their troops, could they make a dent in it? The Lay Party has an amazing machine. It looks like the Lib Dems are not going to be a serious force. It looks, you know, the, the Greens, obviously some amazing candidates for the Greens. But, you know, as a, a you know, the, the party in Wales is not, uh, you know, particularly well equipped with boots on the ground and party infrastructure. So can Ply capitalise on that? Or is it going to be another one of those kind of almost also ran situations next year? In the overarching question we had really going into this was if Plaid are going to win this is the the time isn't it Labour's you know in the last election we're doing very well Tories up in the air you know huge opportunity for them to say look at the mess in Westminster we're the only way to get you out so if they don't make a, a big step forward now what what more can they possibly do and um, I think Mark and Carrie both wanted them to run a sort of Sinn Féin-esque even more radical than Sinn Féin-esque style campaign. Yeah, that if not now, when argument. I mean, I have to say that I have heard that at every single uh, assembly election 
uh, <laughs> since 1999. I mean, it is, it, is, it is just a trope at this point. But I think one of the challenges that Plaid have now is that the Welsh Labour Group in the Senedd uh, have started to move further away from the idea of a, uni- a singular United Kingdom than ever before. Ultimately, the test for Plaid Cymru, as it is a test for the SNP in Scotland and even for Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland, is you know, the idea of pulling people to the point at which they're happy to vote to leave the United Kingdom is a massive thing. And what the offer from the Labour Party in Wales, and actually, I think, arguably, has worked very well in the case of COVID-19, people feel quite happy. You know, a number of people I've seen putting tweets on Twitter or posting on Facebook saying, I'm really pleased that I live in Wales because in Wales we have different rules. And generally speaking, the Labour Party has done a pretty good job of presenting themselves opposed to the route that Boris and the UK government are taking in in England. I think you can see that argument about stronger devolution maybe finally starting to win over. Now that everybody knows that devolution exists in a way that they didn't before coronavirus, there's a stronger argument, I think, for the devolutionists within the Labour Party. Of course, you know, the challenge within the Labour Party then is the internal one about the pro-devolution people in the Senedd and perhaps the more uh, anti-devolution or, or devo-sceptic groups in, in um, Parliament in Westminster. It's not as clear-cut as, if not now, when for Ply Cymru, because that argument about more autonomy for Wales within the United Kingdom is perhaps strengthened by the last few months. Mm. I was being a bit facetious, I must concede. Um, going back to radicalism, Kerry, do you think that Adam Price is the man to make Plaid Cymru a radical force? Well, that, that's what next year's election is going to uh, show, really. Is the leg, is the history there? I'm not so sure, but uh, uh, he's certainly got the team around him who, who are saying the right things in that direction. But my my kind of perspective on Plaid is that you know the independence march, what we've just been talking about, the march towards independence, the power has really been driven in the last few years by Yes Cymru. We've had 20 years of Plaid, uh, but the real momentum and that Plaid are now with has been really driven by an outside organisation that has really had that agenda and really pushed it. Um, and I think that's something that other people in the political spectrum have been able to get behind, but perhaps they wouldn't have done so much with, uh, with Plaid. So the radicalism in the independence movement hasn't actually come from Plaid, it's come from Yes Cymru. And is that going to be the case in other issues? Um, you know, Mark talked about universal basic income, long-standing Green Party uh, commitment there. So I think we want to see that kind of radicalism come forward. Where is it going to come from? I, I currently don't see it across the board in many of the, the personnel in the Welsh parties. But is that because the political setup we have means that that kind of rat- radicalism isn't available to come to the fore so readily? From the noises we hear, they talk about quite radical changes, like, a, you know, changing the whole council tax system and, and stuff like that. Do you think it will be a case of sort of tinkering around the edges? Or do you think there really is that appetite within Plaid to see this huge change? There's never been a shortage of ideas in Plaid Cymru. You know, they are, they, because the whole point of the party is to change Wales so that it's strong enough to be able to stand on its own two feet. So, of course, they're going to come up with really good ideas. That The challenge is always, how do you then make that into an electorally successful formula? If I, if I can wear the 
the hat of somebody who is perhaps glass half empty. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the problem for Ply Cymru, and, and I think it is a residual problem, it touches on what you asked Carrie uh, about the cultural dynamic of Ply Cymru. Now, it, it's always surprised me because this wasn't something that I ever encountered when I was growing up, but this idea of Ply Cymru being the Welsh language party or the culturally Welsh party, the West and the North, that is so deeply ingrained in people's consciousness. You know, it seems extraordinary to me that it's still there now, but it still is there. And the, the growth of Yes Cymru has actually, I think, come from people in other parties and other parts of Wales that wouldn't have necessarily associated with that previously. And it has allowed the independence movement to blossom to a degree, but it hasn't benefited Plaid Cymru because that ingrained attitude that is still is still there. I think as a result of that, the natural effect of that is why when you look at the map of Wales, you know, the, the thing about the cold hard politics of winning a constituency seat, you look at where Plaid Cymru can win. Yes, they can retain all of their current seats that they have as constituencies. Yes, they can pick up more list seats. That, you know, if the, there's more sentiment towards an independent Wales or a stronger Wales, they can pick up their seats. But what constituency seats are they going to pick up? We talk about Llanelli again. You know, where else is Plaid Cymru going to win? Maybe, you know, the, the outliers that were based on individual characters. You had the Nick, Neil McAvoy effect in Cardiff West that ran... The Mark effect Drake in Gwent. Those, yeah. those individuals are no longer members of Plaid Cymru. So... Can the party machine maintain those? Now, there are other places, like where I live in Pontypridd, where the party stood as part of the Remain Alliance, as was in the um, the European uh, post-European election campaign. So that there are some seats, perhaps, that were targeted by Plaid in that, like Pontypridd, um, where they might feel, quite rightly, that there's enough support there to be able to build, maybe not for this election, but maybe for future elections. Wrexham is a, perhaps another really good example, where they have a great local set of personalities, but I think it would take something transformational for them to actually be able to compete and possibly win a few more constituencies. It's really, really difficult to do that. The upside of that, where I get to be the glass half full guy, is to say, if you think that's genuinely the case, there should be nothing stopping you putting those kind of really brave, bold ideas out there. Because it's not like you're, you have many finely balanced constituencies where you can't be too much of this or too much of that. Go big go big or go home to the northwest of Wales, basically. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because none of the majorities in the Senate are actually uns theoretically insurmountable, especially, you know, not, not that it's the same. But if you look at what the SNP did to Labour in 2015, it didn't happen overnight, it happened over years. But what did, in effect, happen one night was that 40-odd, between 10 and 20,000 majority seats were knocked out like that. So it's not impossible Personally, it's not necessarily desirable, but it's not impossible. Do you think there's a reason that Plaid haven't been able to do an SMP? Do you think it is a timidity? Do you think it is the language? Do you think it is just the fact they had a the SMP had a you know an independence referendum campaign that they were fighting for years and so much publicity? Uh, this is a bit of a cliche thing to say, but let's remember that Plaid did an SMP before the SNP did an SNP back in 1999. It was that trajectory. It was the fact that the SNP managed to get that independence referendum in 2014 that then was the springboard for everything that followed. And they only managed to do that because they managed to get a minority government with the support of the Scottish Green Party. Wales is very different. The Labour Party has done a far better job. This is stuff everybody knows. The Labour Party's done a far better job and continues 
continues to do a far better job in negotiating the constitutional waters of the UK, electorally speaking. Now, whether you, know, whether you agree or not that they've done the right thing from a, a political or from uh, an intention point of view, the fact that they've done deals with a whole raft of different Conservative-led governments in Westminster is not to everyone's taste, which is perfectly, perfectly reasonable. But in terms of being electorally successful, they've managed to negotiate these waters much more successfully. And you can't take away Clyde's failure to win from the fact that Labour have continued to do a very good job in Wales. And that was not the case in Scotland. Labour did a terrible job in Scotland. And it, so the, the opportunity was there. There was more oxygen for the SNP to take and thrive on. I think Mark's analysis of the old rules are probably out the window at this point. I think it's probably the right one. You know, we're not going to see in the election manifesto of any party someone advocating foreign direct investment into Wales to bring in another car manufacturer to make cars in Bridgend or St. Athen or whatever. That's not going to happen. So what are, so what are people going to be thinking about? And maybe it is time, maybe, maybe it is time for those big ideas to really take centre stage. They don't necessarily have to come from Ply Cymru. You, you can get people from um, a number of the different parties in Wales. Uh, you know, the Green Party share a lot of the same kind of ideas as parts of the Labour Party. The Labour Party share many of the same ideas as parts of Ply Cymru. It's the question about who owned, who ultimately sets the agenda. And I think bringing back to what you started that interview with, with Carrie and Mark, about leadership, are the leaders of the Labour Party, Ply Cymru and the Greens in Wales, are they, you know, in a position where they're going to really stand out and say, this is a big risk. We think that these are really difficult times. They need solutions like which we've never seen before. Are they going to be that bold? They may not be. Um, we, we'll wait and see. But I think uh, there's definitely, that's the opportunity. If, if you think realistically, you know, doing things as they've always done is not going to necessarily change the game for Ply Cymru. What's, what's there to hold them back? So Kerry, I know last week you asked me a lot about Mark Drakeford. So on the, on the question of leadership, do you think that there is an opportunity for Adam Price here to be that, I'm loath to say it, the Mabderogon style figurehead person who is able to, to grasp the nettle? Or do you think there is a, an inbuilt timidity? Maybe Mark Drakeford will be the one to, to grasp hold of the status quo altering policies. I don't, I don't think there's a tim- timidity with Adam, that's for sure. <laughs> but okay, I mean, there's, 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 there's certainly an opportunity for that, isn't there? Clyde's uh, high point in electoral kind of success in Wales was in the original 1999 election. And I don't think their vote share or number of votes has ever met that, even with the seen as a successful European campaign in, um, was it 2018? 2019. Uh, 2019. It was only a year ago. That was a year. It's a long, a year's a long time. You know, they, they weren't even at that, at that kind of level from 99. So, Getting back above that kind of record high point is a is a starter, I think, for Plaid. Building on that, that's where I think they want to be looking at. The the seats Rich mentioned about where these gains are going to come from. Clannetly has to be, you know, they, they've held that. Am I right in saying they've had that in the past? And the Mary herself has had, held that in the past. Exactly. And so you're looking at that, holding on to the Ronda to carry on building on that. Blinder Gwent has his variety of own issues so what happens there but um i'm not sure who's in kafili because it, it does a lot of Delith. this comes down to Delith Delith, standard, but, right a lot of it comes down to your, your individual circumstances one of the things i've read around uh, labor and smp in scotland is what we don't really see that regularly and what goes below the kind of 
MSP level and your local authorities and how the SNP won there. And I'm not sure really where Plaid is in that kind of respect in Wales. I don't think in our big urban areas where they need to win seat, they're really that strong. You know, let's look at Cardiff. We touched on Neil McAvoy and his party. You know, he was Plaid in Cardiff. Uh, where are they now in Cardiff, really? You know, it's, it's a difficult one to see that local authority level building blocks for Plaid to be. Where are they in other parts of Wales outside what you mentioned, Rich, the traditional north and west strength? This has always struck me as the, the weird thing with Plaid Cymru. In almost any country in the world, or, you know, a country that isn't in, an independent country, I mean, can you imagine the SNP not having a seat in Edinburgh? Uh, you know, can you imagine the Conservatives not having a seat in London? Maybe you can, Matt, I don't know. But the idea that Plaid Cymru, which is the self-styled National Party of Wales, has never held a seat in the capital city of Wales just seems like such an odd situation to me. And, you know, that almost crystallises the whole problem for Plaid Cymru, is that it hasn't made the, the, the kind of leap to a truly national party. It's still the core vote, despite everything, despite Leanne Wood despite the push in Blyna Gwent and elsewhere, is still the core seats of the West and the Northwest. And you know, until they can jump uh, that gap, then you just can't see it going anywhere. But having said that, the list seats actually, I think maybe might be where the opportunities are. You know, there's going to be, there's plenty of people who maybe, whose ideas of, about what Wales is and what Wales should be have been changed over the last few years, be it with Brexit, be it with COVID. And maybe, you know, even if people still vote for their traditional parties, for their constituencies, maybe they might have a little flutter, perhaps, with alternatives, be it the Greens, be it Plaid, or if they're of, a, you know, a very different perspective on the world, there may be other parties out there that they might choose on the list seat. You know, that could be, that could be interesting. Do you think then, Leanne, I think, if to, to me anyway, and I don't know about the rest of you, but Leanne seemed like the perfect person to reach out and win over some of those maybe less than convinced ex-Labour voters or people who had voted Labour historically. I, I don't know if Adam, although, although he is from, you know, ex-industrial Carmarthenshire, he doesn't give the impression in the same way of, as Leanne of being that sort of Valley's figure. But he, surely she seemed like the best person to, to, to win those kind of places. You know, is Adam, I imagine Adam still wants to win those places, but is Adam sort of almost like Plaid saying we want to try and win over Conservative voters as well. I've heard that said by a number of people. I, I don't buy it for one second. I, I think Leanne was the right person to win the Rhonda. She, you know, she is of the Rhonda, and you look where her strengths are, and you go up the constituency. There's affection for Leanne up and down the Rhonda right now. The problem, I think, has been that there haven't been enough, you know, similarly minded, quite frankly, similarly hardworking, as Carrie said, uh, and similarly popular people standing in other seats. Some of the most talented people in Plaid Cymru come through, but they then, they may come from Isloin or Torvine or wherever, but then they move about and then they end up being somewhere else. And there isn't the, the sheer depth of numbers that they stay in that constituency. Now, Leanne, I think in that regard, is a bit of a one-off and maybe Delith um, might be another um, one who comes in, back to Cardfilly and stands in Cardfilly and does, one, does well there. But I don't think Adam is or should pitch himself as a person to win over any particular demographic. I think that the challenge from Adam is to define himself on different terms. And, you know, people of supporters of his have defined him for a long time as a certain type of person. And I think he 
actually needs to step out and define what Ply Cymru is under his leadership. Because Ply Cymru, I mean, let's not forget, straddles the same kind of internal coalition challenges as every other political party. The Labour, you know, the Labour Party stretches from, you know, in, even in Wales, we have Chris Bryant on one side and uh, just down the road, we have Mike Hedges. Uh, you know, we have in Ply Cymru, there is the rural conservative leaning rural business people and then you have Leanne you know on in the Ronda wouldn't be out of place in Labour Party or the Communist Party frankly and so I think I think Adam's challenge is to define redefine Ply Cymru and in fact in his his own words to redefine Wales for the 21st century uh, his success should be measured on that if I if I may go with a gut instinct that is based on nothing other than purely casual conversations with people. I don't think there's any way, in any way, shape or form, that the Ply Cymru group, if it is broadly the same group of people in the Senedd as is now, doing any kind of deal with the Conservative Party. I just don't, I, I don't think that Ply Cymru can do that. And that's not just based on the left-right axis. But you have to look at what the, you know, the, the Conservative Party is at the moment, is a British nationalist. There are people, many people, more prominently campaigning for the rollback of devolution than has ever happened before. I just think that that's an incompatible mix, much as I know that there are some people that would like to float that idea. I just just don't see it happening. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I know, and it's, it's you, you, uh, you, from a political standpoint, you'd have to look at it and say, no, it doesn't add up. You couldn't imagine a, a British, an Eng- what is essentially now an English nationalist party and a Welsh nationalist, well, which is right-wing economically, and a Welsh nationalist le- socialist party being able to form any hobble together any sort of agreement but is there anything do you think that would make Ply consider it do you think a mass devolution of of powers justice prisons anything like that do you think that would even turn their head a little bit well it won't happen you know there's just no way that this conservative government in Westminster will concede those kind of things to you know and we you know we sadly know whether you think it's sad or not that the Welsh Conservative group has absolutely no sway <laughs> compared to what the UK um, Conservative uh, Party wants. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, the only situation where you can see it being any kind of agreement would be if, as I think we saw in 2016, say, for example, the electoral dynamics were that the three parties, Plaid, Labour and the Tories, had similar numbers of votes, and the Conservative Party said that they would nominate Adam Price for First Minister. I think that's the only circumstance that you could see it happening. The only thing that unifies the Conservative Party and the Ply Cymru is the desire to beat Labour to the First Ministership. Um, I don't think you would... I, I just don't think it's tenable that it would work the other way around because Welsh Conservative Group is just a small offshoot of the UK Conservative Party. Ply Cymru, its whole thing is that it stands for Wales and Wales in its own two feet. So the Welsh Conservative group can absorb the pain in the long term, in the long game, of dislodging Labour to allow Ply Cymru to have the first, minister, first ministership for a term, whereas it doesn't work the other way around. Basically, if the Ply Cymru group nominated Paul Davis for first minister, that it would kill the party. It would be a total schism and it would destroy the party probably for a generation. So I just can't see that happening at all. I, I don't see it happening, but I, I think we're so far away that we don't know where the seat's going to go. I think, as Mark said in uh, in the pod, the, you know, polls are so not going to reflect where we're going to be next May. But it's very hard to see. But I just think the nature of our political setup, the way the chips are going to fall 
it isn't going to be back in the situation we were for the Rainbow Coalition opportunity. When was that? In the late noughties? Was it seven? That was 07 as well. That, seven, was the, that was the chance that, you know, the, I can't you know, remember what it was called now, but the other thing that wasn't one Wales. Yeah. The opportunity, the Lib Dems, as that kind of make peace aspect which people could see back then, which eventually didn't happen, is gone now. It, it's interesting that last week Labour were talking and uh, Plaid didn't really... Plaid didn't feature. It was the Conservatives. And this week, uh, the Conservative hasn't really featured. It's Labour. And it, it's where those natural kind of schisms are, what their focus is in terms of what they're looking at and what they have to address and uh, what they're up against. That's going to be really interesting next year, how it plays out, I think. You know, we looked at the North Wales and Plaid's, Plaid's opportunity in North Wales is going to be around health which is going to be against Labour. Conservatives in North Wales, again, it's going to be against Labour. It's, you know, those those little local intricacies, which perhaps aren't so evident in the, the day-to-day politics, but are locally really important. I think those are really going to define a lot of what we're talking about. Can I ask a question uh, of you, Matt? So yeah. I, I, there's the last thing I'm going to say about this, sorry. I, I just, I'm fascinated by this because I'm, I'm much more relaxed about the idea of coalitions between parties. In fact, I think, generally speaking, coalitions are pretty healthy things because they encourage people to cross party divisions. But are we doing what, this? what would you... Well, indeed, absolutely. What would you say is the, would be the likely outcome? Say, of the 60 Senate seats, say it was Plaid Cymru managed to sneak the biggest number of seats. So they got 20, uh, 23 and the others all got, what is it, 19 or whatever it is, whatever the math, math, electoral mathematics. Say Plaid Cymru is the biggest group. Do you think the Labour Party would support a Plaid Cymru? Because uh, we know what the answer is here. Isn't yeah, it? we it's know no. it's no. Yeah, it's yeah. no. It's no. So, this is, so this is um, what yeah. I think is the fascinating we have this little fascinating dynamic where Plaid Cymru would only support, uh, would only get support from the Conservatives to dislodge the Labour Party, but would never support the Conservatives. The Labour Party would only support, get support from Plaid Cymru, would never get support from the Conservatives, but the Labour Party would never reciprocate that support to Plaid Cymru. Yeah, it's basically uh, electoral rock, paper, scissors. This is, this, is what, this is what it feels like. You know, it feels like uh, at some point, and actually I think it's to, to the credit of former leaders that they have managed to work coalitions together that at least to give stable government because unstable government frankly would be you know it would be an invitation for criticism of devolution to come in and basically just screw devolution over we don't have the same kind of core in a fundamental difference that northern ireland has there would be no massive efforts from westminster they would just say oh look the welsh they can't do it you know, let's call it back so i think you look at the one wales agreement it was a very stable government it worked negotiated quite well. of course by mark drakeford and adam price indeed, indeed absolutely uh, and even even the current um, administration, which you know, has picked up a few waifs and strays, it's picked up Kirsty, it's picked up David L, and it's been a stable government with some support from Plaid Cymru on budget votes in, over the last few years. But I, I almost wonder that a more a three-way split, which is what the co- the polls currently sort of suggest, would actually be quite a destabilising force. And the question yeah, I- is whether, if the power dynamic shifted, whether a deal could be cut between Plaid Cymru and the Labour Party if the power dynamic was different. I think that would be really dangerous, actually. I think we'd go back to the polls, personally. I, I think we'd have another election if that happened. If they all ended up on broadly the same uh, amount of seats, I can't... I really struggle to see how Plaid under Adam 
can have even enough common ground with Labour. Yeah, you might make haste, don't you? You may make ground on some of the economics. You may agree on large amounts of the social policy. You may even want more devolution. But I cannot see a price-led with a significant amount of seats in the next Senate election, you know, after the next Senate elections, wanting anything less than full fiscal autonomy, basically independence. I, I just can't see him. I, that's it. I would see that being his red line. And we just we wouldn't be able to deliver that, obviously. So I, I just don't see how you come to an agreement, especially if Clyde would be the larger party. I just, I just can't see it happening. I think we'd go back to the election. We'd have another Partic- election. Particularly with a Conservative government in Westminster. Because if it was a Labour government in Westminster... There's almost, you know, for the people within the Labour Party concerned about uh, disintegration of the United Kingdom, they would have that safety net of knowing that the Labour Party in Westminster would be there to make sure that strings don't get let out too much. But with a Conservative government that's always just going to be butting up against whatever the Welsh government does, the Labour Party has got nothing to offer, can't offer Ply Cymru any of those things. Yeah, it just, it just feels like a recipe for electoral disaster, because if Wales goes back to the polls, what would be the argument to stop the same result coming back in again? I, I find it, I almost think that it's, it, you've got to be careful what you wish for if you're, you know, if you're looking for a three-way split. You, know, well, you never know, do you? But, you never know. What, what could happen after a second election that returns essentially the same amount of people? Maybe they're more pliant to an agreement. Who knows? Who knows? What we've got to think, like I said last week, one of the things we've got to think about is what the... What, what are we assuming are going to be the big political issues at next year's election? And as I said, the time of what they're all going to be held, I think the Scottish uh, election is going to dominate because it is essentially, I would suggest, going to be a referendum in all but name. That kind of perspective is going to have an impact on the Welsh elections, and that then is the Plaid and Labour position. I think what will be really interesting is the Keir Starmer kind of work on a, a federal kind of approach. Um, I think Carwin's one of the leading Welsh players on that. I think that's bound to come back and put a perspective on what Labour see in the UK, but particularly resonating in Wales. And that'll be a big selling point. Now, will that be enough to kind of bring people who've been attracted by Yes Cymru and Plaid for the full independence to go down, well, this is imp- incremental. Do we want to go to that stage first? So it's what what the policies are brought to the table, really, are going to be really interesting. And that side of it, what we discussed in the pod with Mark and Carrie about independence, about Yes Cymru, you know, is that momentum there? And can Labour do something to drag some of that with their federation approach? And quite frankly, is the constitution even going to be something that we're talking about? Because we'll be in such an economic difficulty. It is it is a trope to say we don't know what the, the ground will be. But I also think, going back to what Mike Hedges was talking about when we spoke to Mike uh, on the first podcast, he was basically talk, describing as Mark Drakeford as continuity Carwin, and Carwin was continuity Rodri. I don't think that we should expect the fundamentals to be massively different. You know, the fundamentals of the campaign, the situation will be hugely different, but it would surprise me, perhaps pleasantly so, if the parties went into the Senate 2021 campaign thinking really big. And actually, it would be great if they did, but I I would be surprised. I'm not going to make any bets about that. But Yeah, I, I think there certainly will be a, a, a hesitance 
on the part of the, well, of the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, definitely, to talk about the Constitution if there's a big economic upheaval. You can see Plaid obviously doing it. It's one of their main reasons to be, just to advance the cause of Welsh independence. But it's how, again, how they sell that. If they sell it as the, as the, you know, as the key to unlock all the potential economic growth mm. or, or, if you don't like, growth, well-being uh, that could potentially come, then, yeah, maybe they can do it. But I think it, they'll have to read the mood. Obviously, they're going to go in. You see all the applied advertising now. It's all about independence. It's so much more on the front foot now about independence than I've ever known it to be. So they're obviously going to make it a large part of their campaign. But will circumstances get to the point where people in May next year have had months and months of economic hardship? And they, they look at applied, talking about the Constitution, whether rightly or wrongly, as, you know, as this economic lever, and, and don't really understand that or don't really appreciate that. I don't know. Well, it comes down to the messaging at the end of the day. You know, what, what are the aims and the objectives? And is it for its own sake? And I think this is where Mark's, um, uh, as, oh gosh, I keep praising Mark Cooper. This is going to come back to bite <laughs> me. But I think he's absolutely right. Is you're not, the, the argument isn't for Ply Cymru, independence is the end in itself. You, do, you achieve independence in order to change the fundamental dynamics of Wales being poor this year, Wales having been poor last year, Wales have been poor for decades as part of the United Kingdom, you change, you, you seek independence to change the underlying dynamics. Um, the kind of, uh, what the, the economists were saying to me the other day, Wales as part of the UK is essentially being subsidised for impotence. You know, Wales can't do anything, but as a result, it gets a, a subsidy from the British state. And Mark's argument is to change that. And, and maybe that will work. I think for everyone, we just, you know, for all of the parties, I think it would be nice if they did compete on the big ideas. And, and think about, that, I mean, this is the first Welsh parliamentary election. The idea of the Assembly essentially has been a parliament for some time, but it's the first time it's being perceived as a parliament. It comes after this period of a massive public health crisis where, for the first time, people have realised that Wales has a different setup, uh, has a different government to England, and people, a lot of people quite like that. And I think it's going to be really interesting. And I hope, hopefully it's an exciting one. Thank you to uh, Richard and Kerry for their thoughts uh, tonight after the wonderful pub we've just done with uh, Mark Cooper and Kerry Harper. If you want to hear more about what we're doing at Hereife, please follow our blog uh, at Hereife Blog Cymru, our Facebook at Hereife Blog Cymru, and our Twitter at Hereife Blog. Uh, and please subscribe um, to our podcast, which is available on SoundCloud and all good and evil uh, podcast providers. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.